Hello and welcome to the ICC Review, and the Super 12 is done and dusted. Against all odds, Pakistan completed the great escape from Group 2. The Netherlands' huge victory over South Africa meant Pakistan's fate was back in their own hands. He's going to come back quickly, very, very quickly. And he's done a great job at Shan Masood. He's been so calm throughout this. And along with Shadab Khan, they have seen Pakistan through. The arms are raised. There is joy in the camp. Out of nothing at the start of the day comes something very special. And they now go through to the last four. Captain Barbara Azam says there's still more work to do. Of course, we had uh, enjoyed that win and uh, we are also focusing uh, next matches, uh, but uh, we are sit together and discuss our uh, more mistakes, but talking about also positive things, but uh, discuss also uh, 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 bad things. Batter Shan Masood's unbeaten 24 helped them over the line. Four more. That is perfect timing and placement. Beautiful placement, it should run away to the small boundary, it does, decisive. Nice little cameos from two players here. We'll hear from Shan Masood later in the show. The result means Pakistan will face New Zealand at the SCG for a place in the final on Wednesday. Elsewhere, India have also secured a place in the final four. That's shift in the air and it's all over. Zimbabwe all out for 115. Akshar Patel taking the final wicket. India topped the table and now know that they'll uh, definitely go to Adelaide to play against England. And bowler Ashdeep Singh delivered the goods. Knocked him over, ball. This is the one that swings into the right-hander. His teammate and T20 men's number one batter Surikumar Yadav smashed 61 of just 25 balls. He can play shots like this, so he's difficult to contain. Sharp. Oh, yes. Oh, exquisite. What a shot. What a shot this. Nobody out there, and he's got more than he bargained for. It's gone for six. It's a fabulous shot. It's an incredible shot. Team India top group two with eight points. Ian Bishop, the former West Indies fast bowler, says there's plenty more to come from the now tournament favourites. If you can set the game up with Virat scoring runs as well, then the batting is strong and Ashdeep, as you rightly said, his skill, his uptick in his skill, upskilling to an in-swinger, out-swinger, Yorker bumper, for one so young, is outstanding. I'll speak with him shortly. Meanwhile, England edged past Sri Lanka to clinch a semi-final spot. Doesn't go to him, it goes back to a point. That will do nicely for England. That is England through to a World T20 semi-final. That is Australia, the hosts out of the competition. And skipper Joss Butler says it was tough to watch towards the end. Didn't enjoy that much, but uh, we knew we had to find a way to win the game coming here today, and, and thankfully we did that. England will take on India on Thursday at the Adelaide Oval for a place in the final. Now, Ian Bishop joins me to reflect on the two semi-finals and the Super 12 stage. What a dramatic end to this Super 12 stage with uh, the Netherlands beating South Africa, which suddenly opened the door for Pakistan or Bangladesh to reach the semi-finals. It was Pakistan who went through that door and uh, they beat Bangladesh by five wickets. 
and then India ended up by beating Zimbabwe very comfortably indeed by 71 runs and that meant they topped the group. So what that means is in Group 1 it's New Zealand and England going through, in Group 2 it's India and Pakistan and the crossover semi-finals. We've got New Zealand against Pakistan in Sydney on Wednesday the 9th of November and on Thursday the 10th of November it's India against England in Adelaide. First of all then Bish, let's reflect on what's happened on this uh, final day of the Super 12 stage and uh, first of all the Netherlands beating South Africa who could possibly have conceived of that? A week ago, we were sat here, South Africa had beaten India in Perth. They looked odds on to get to the semi-finals. A week is a long time in politics, they say. It's a heck of a long time in this tournament as well, because now South Africa are out. Yeah, Marcus, I, I just think it's been perhaps, well, let me not say the greatest, but certainly, as far as I can remember, I've seen nothing like it in a men's T20 World Cup, to be honest with you. Um, when I woke up this morning, I thought that South Africa were one of one of the favourites to win this thing this year. I, I thought certainly at some point they had to shed the ghost of that tag they've been carrying since the inception of re-entry. But I want to give Netherlands a great amount of credit because I've really admired their bowling group in particular. All through the tournament, I thought their bowlers, their fast bowlers, by and large, have cause problems for all and sundry and today their batting turned up just enough so I didn't expect this result but I also have to pay tribute to Netherlands and their bowling group in particular. Well it opened the door for Pakistan or Bangladesh and Pakistan went through and all of a sudden Pakistan having lost the seemingly unlosable game to uh, to India then they lost to Zimbabwe and yet suddenly now they're coming with a wet sail into the semi-final and is it is it Imran's cornered tigers all over again <laughs> well well who knows we can't predict the future because if anybody walks up to me now and you, I'm not a guy who like when people walk up to me bish who's going to win who's going to do this I always say I don't know if I knew I wouldn't be at the cricket I'd be on a yacht sailing the Atlantic somewhere as a multi-billionaire right and people presume to know the game so well. I want to meet the person who had predicted all of these sort of upsets and turnovers in this World Cup. I want to meet that man or woman, Murgas. I thought Pakistan were, were dead and buried and just waiting for their flight home. What, what I do feel for them and, and felt for them was that they deserved a little bit of fortune somewhere along the line because they had two sort of last ball finishes that could have gone either way, particularly that wonderful experience against India at the MCG. So to have things suddenly turn their way, as Pakistan teams have often done in the past, uh, I thought it was just phenomenal. Their bowling group again with South Africa's bowling group one of the best in the world. And I really feel for Pakistan and their supporters. I, I feel after a really hard first three or four games to get this result, which to some and myself was unexpected, I feel the joy and delight for them. India, they also played on the final day of the Super 12s and a convincing win against Zimbabwe. And frankly, Bish, All's rosy in the garden for them, isn't it? You look at it and uh, K.L. Rahul's starting to make runs again at the top of the order. Surya Kamar Yadav. 
number one player in men's T20 cricket in the ICC rankings and goodness me didn't he show it again uh, against Zimbabwe what a remarkable innings that was 61 from 25 balls Virat Kohli's in form Arj deep bowling absolutely beautiful swinging it both ways they look the complete package at the moment don't they they've played good cricket like the other teams they've managed to, to lose one at, at some point along the way I still think that they want runs from the skipper. Skippers have had a hard time in this tournament with runs. Rohit's not the only one. They need runs from Harik Pandya. That's an area Aksa Patel needs to be able to give them more. But their boxes are ticked with Kale, as you said. Risha Pant and Dinesh Kartik haven't really fired in the way that you want them to. So they're still holds. But Sky, if I may say, I remember when Sky went to Mumbai, I think 2018, around 2018, he got a 500-run season, 2019, a 400-run season. And I remember on social media putting it out there that this guy needs to play international cricket. And he was frustrated, I could tell as well. And my tweet out there was, just keep scoring runs and he's bound to do it. He only debuted last year in international cricket, Murgis. Could you believe it the way that we're watching him bat? Over 1,000 runs at a strike rate of 180 plus this year so if you can set the game up with Virat scoring runs as well then the batting is strong and Ashdeep as you rightly said his skill his uptick in his skill upskilling to an in-swinger out-swinger Yorker bumper for one so young is outstanding and the other bowlers apart from AXA are doing a solid job so I think they're a force to be reckoned with but I think other teams too have some great skill and some form New Zealand coming in uh, perhaps England coming in as well yeah, we've touched on Pakistan and India already. Let's touch now on the other two semi-finalists, uh, New Zealand and England. New Zealand, first of all, they topped the group, the, the top group one, finished uh, by beating Ireland with Kane Williamson returning to form. Glenn Phillips has been one of the stars of the tournament. They've got bags of experience in the attack and variety too. There's Trent Bolt, there's Tim Southey, they've got the pace of Lockie Ferguson, they've got the spinners as well. On paper, they look very well uh, positioned, don't they? Typical, again, for New Zealand. It's not the first time we're talking about the sum of the parts and not just one person standing out, although Glenn Phillips might lay claim to that. I just love his development. Uh, when he came out to the Caribbean, uh, maybe around 2016-17, it was a very, very young man looking to make his way. And each season that he came back thereafter, you could see him working on his batting, a different stance, a different trigger, scoring in different areas. And I think he's reached a high point in this World Cup with his power, his ability to play spin and pace. Um, there are other guys who are going to step up along the way. But from a bowling perspective, when you've got Lockie Ferguson, Bolt, Southey, knowing and understanding what to do at different phases, and Santner, who can bowl at different phases as well, and Isodi in the middle. I think New Zealand, with their fielding too, their fielding is something that, if it's at its best, is like a 12th player for them. So I see them as in good form and confident. England, they just about got into the semi-finals thanks to, uh, <laughs> well, uh, a seat-of-the-pants win against uh, Sri Lanka in that last uh, match in the Super 12. But they bat all the way down. They've got match winners like Ben Stokes. They've got bowling variety, including the pace of Mark Wood. And Sam Curran has really emerged as a superb yes. finisher with the ball. 
Let me give you some stats there, uh, Bish, because he's played um, four matches against Afghanistan, Ireland, New Zealand and Sri Lanka. In those four matches, at the back end of the innings, 40 balls, 32 runs he's gone for, that's all, so less than a run a ball, and he's taken seven wickets. That really is astonishing form, and if you've got someone bowling like that at the end of the innings, then happy days. He's got a number of plus points, Mugas. That left-handed angle is an additional bonus for him. But I just, watching him bowl, I just think that he understands rather simply what a batsman is trying to do at a particular stage, what shot he might go for based on the dimensions of the field. And he just manages to take it outside of that zone, get the batter to miss hit or get him to miss with his off pace, his wide yorker and his short ball has been a thing that's been very deceptive in its pace and accuracy this tournament. So, yeah, uh, he's been phenomenal. And if you look overall, if we move forward at the England package, uh, Alex Hales in the runs at times, Joss Butler in the runs at times. And you, to your point of how deep they go, Ben Stokes hasn't really fired, has he, um, with the bat. So I think on any given day, they are a dangerous team. How they cope in Adelaide, if it, the ball starts holding in that surface, is going to be interesting. But they've got a strong batting depth and they've got quite competent bowlers with Mark Wood's pace. The fastest bowler or joint fastest bowler in the tournament is outstanding, is an outstanding weapon to have. And what can we say about South Africa? Once again, the opportunity's been there for them in a global tournament on the big stage and they haven't been able to deliver. When I looked at Riley Russo coming back, um, Quinton de Kock, um, so many in that batting lineup. I just generally thought that they would be there for that final push, maybe get to that final. So to say I was surprised today that they fell over to the Netherlands, I could see the pressure building, building on them all the time. So I think mentally there's some work to be done there. The pressure just seems to get to them. Um, their bowling is fine. Rabada, Ngidi, those guys, Wayne Parnell, all of them are decent performers, more than decent, good performers. That batting though, David Miller has had a stupendous year and on the biggest stage to try to catapult his team forward again, they fell short. I, I, I really can't describe it, honestly. I'm, I'm lost for words where they're concerned. And Australia, Bish, can we talk about a lack of cricket smarts here? Because let's look at that opening game against New Zealand, which they lost. New Zealand 200 for three, Australia bowled out for 111. And at the end of the day, we've had three sides at the top of the table and it's come down to net run rate. Now, Australia were 50 for four in that game against uh, New Zealand in the ninth over. They were 68 for five in the 11th over. At that stage, they're not chasing 200. Shouldn't they have just said to themselves, let's be realistic, let's see if we can get to 140, 160. Let's rein it in to make sure it doesn't hurt our net run rate to too great an extent. Instead, they're bowled out for 111. And in the final analysis, that's what's cost them. Muggers, we have a saying when we work on different franchise tournaments, uh, myself and a group of other commentators, and once we get to those tournaments, the first thing we say is look after your net run rate. A friend of mine said a couple of years ago, um, 
He said, look after the net, net run rate is like good health. You look after it when you're young and it pays off when you're old. So you've got to look after Jatin Sapru. Um, and so Australia will look back at those moments. Should we have made those decisions? Yes, they should have made those decisions. But it's more than that. Remember, they had Ireland on the rocks. Ireland managed to get close. And a couple more games as well where teams that they should have bowled out a lot sooner ended up getting more runs. So that should be a great disappointment for what at the moment the defending champions who are now out of this tournament, Murgas, that there's a lot of learning there for them and for other teams. You've got to be better and to be more aware and to have that old Australian, I suppose, characteristic to go for the jugular and finish it off when you get the chance. Let's just touch on the other sides who were in the Super 12s, Bish, before we finish. First of all, the sides uh, in Group 1, Ireland, Sri Lanka, Afghanistan. Ireland, well, I think they can reflect on a pretty good tournament. They beat the West Indies in Round 1. They beat England in uh, the Super 12s. Sri Lanka, they did get through from uh, the first round in Geelong, but they've suffered horrendous injury problems, and, and that really has been their Achilles heel this time around. In Afghanistan, well, they were straight into the Super 12s, and really and truly, how unlucky could you be? Because they ended up with two no results, and the only side that, that suffered that problem. Uh, and so that really killed them, you'd have to say. Ireland, Sri Lanka, Afghanistan in, in Group 1, what can they take away from uh, this tournament? Ireland can take away great heart. Ireland will look at uh, their bowlers and say, yeah, we've got some guys there that can do a solid job and continue doing a solid job for us. Um, the batting still didn't fire at the top as consistently. Balburnie got a score here and there. Lockan Tucker was good. Paul Sterling picked up a couple of scores along the way. Harry Tector had an awful tournament. Um, so with Chris Camphor and George Dockrell as well, I think that more than anything else is where they fell down just at times in the batting. But certainly their left arm seamer, Mark Adair and those guys showed enough smarts in circumstances to make this, I think Niall O'Brien said it, that this was the MST20 World Cup, men's World Cup, and I'll take that. Uh, for Sri Lanka, the injuries just, you lose Dushmanta Chamira and one or two others, and, and that was just too hard for them. You have to give them credit for fighting. Their batting needs a little bit more firepower. Dasan Shanika didn't fire with the bat in this tournament. Pathum Nisanka was their anchor. So I think their bowling group, if Chamira is fit, Lahiru Kumara came in at the back end and showed that he's still learning, but he's capable. So they had their injuries that, that sort of put them out of things just a little bit. Yeah, you talk about that Randolph game. Their batting still needs work, Afghanistan, uh, but they've got some good bowling options uh, for Rookie, the, the left-hander. Uh, of course, their spinners do a good job. So I think their seam bowling, they found two really good seam bowlers to complement Rashid Khan, etc., etc. Um, Mohamed Nabi's loss as a leader uh, perhaps will hurt them for a little bit going forward. But from a batting perspective, Ramanula Gerbaz and those guys, I want to see them being able to dominate in a greater way some of the higher-ranked teams. So, yeah, we'll give them a bly with the rained-out games, but their batting still needs work. Let's look at those sides that didn't go through from... Uh 
Group 2. Uh, we touched already on South Africa, but the Netherlands, Bangladesh and Zimbabwe. The Netherlands, terrific tournament for them, really. And uh, in, the, in the Super 12 stage, beating Zimbabwe and South Africa, and that was after qualifying via Geelong. Bangladesh, well, I suppose they can console themselves with the fact that they were in contention right up to the final match. And let's not forget the contribution of Taskin Ahmed in this tournament, an outstanding performance from that fast bowler. And Zimbabwe, well, they just didn't get enough runs, did they? Sikander Raza was the man who, who carried the batting on his shoulders. Uh, the bowling was um, pretty well balanced, but runs were the currency and, and they didn't have enough of it. Williams, uh, Craig Irvin, uh, Chikapva, uh, Madiveri promised Chikapva less so. He, he had a dreadful tournament, I think 28 runs in the tournament, and, and that was an issue. Uh, Williams showed his wares at times, but Raza was the outstanding feature. So again, I suppose in this World Cup, let, let me just sort of divulge and say first of all that I like the way that the lower ranked full member teams and the associates have closed the gap on some of the higher ranked teams with some of the turnovers that we've seen. I want to make that clear first of all. This has been the best I've seen in competitiveness in uh, a T20 World Cup. Uh, you've got fast bowlers, Josh Little for Ireland, who's been outstanding. You've got Harris Ralph, uh, Ashdeep Singh. All of those bowlers, big boundaries, helpful wickets have helped to make this tournament brilliant. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that Bangladesh again surprised me by being around for so deep into the tournament, although they have their batting struggles as well. Taskin Ahmed is a name that has to be called there. Um, they have that young seamer as well, uh, Mahmoud, who I think will go on to be an outstanding seam bowler. But generally across the board, um, Murgas, I, I think batting has been challenged in these conditions um, for guys to get top orders, to get the big runs for most teams that they deserve. Not all teams, but most teams. And the Dutch? Well, what can you say about them? Getting through from Geelong, first of all, in a, a very, very <laughs> difficult group, and then taking the scalps of Zimbabwe and South Africa. And it really has been a, a huge year for them, with one-day international cricket across the board in, in the World Cup Super League, which, which they've played against the West Indies, against England, against Pakistan. They've had the qualifier, which they went through uh, from in uh, Zimbabwe as well, along with the hosts to get to this tournament. It's been a massive year, and they've got lots of young players and lots of scope for improvement. I, I would say I would say Van Meekeren, uh, Bas de Lida, uh, have been outstanding. Um, Klaassen had a better day in this final game against South Africa than maybe he lacked a little bit of consistency early on. They, they've struggled really to get those tours that you, you talked about, to get their full team together for a lot of that. So Vikramjeet Singh and those guys uh, will have to start maybe delivering more with the bat because the bowlers bowled well all tournament and they managed to scrape past 122, 125. And then the big totals, even that chase, I think it was against Sri Lanka in Hobart, they just fell short. But on a very important day, they got better scores from Ackerman and company against South Africa. And it was ironic, wasn't it? 
Um, Ackerman played under 19 cricket for South Africa, had a good day with the bat. Um, Glover played under 19 cricket for South Africa, had a good day again with the ball. And then your left arm spinner, your elder statesman, who actually played for South Africa, took one of the catches of the tournament. So the former South Africans had an excellent day against the South African team. And, and that must have been double icing on the cake. But runs, Murgus. And the more I think the structures improve in Scotland, in Ireland, domestic uh, setup in the Netherlands, who I hope gain more financing from this, and you know about this better than I do. The West Indies, too, have to continue improving their structure. Uh, they were a big disappointment in this tournament in more ways than one. I think we'll see the gap closing even more. Let's look forward then, Bish, uh, before we close mm -hmm. to uh, the semi-finals. New Zealand against Pakistan oh. in Sydney on Wednesday. India against England in Adelaide on Thursday. Massive games. Like I said to you oh. before, Pakistan <laughs> coming with that wet sail. They played New Zealand in the semi-final in 1992 in the 50-over uh, version of uh, the World Cup, and they won that then. Yeah. And uh, yeah. well, they'll be uh, they'll be feeling very positive again. And of course, let's not forget that they've come into this tournament off the back of a tri-series in New Zealand, which also involved Bangladesh, and they won that. So uh, they'll they'll be cock a hoop and really positive, I'm sure. Yeah, um, and, and you wouldn't sort of blame them for that. That matchup, they've got, Pakistan have got to bat better. I would sort of look at young Mohammed Harris and say, I want him to be batting in that opening slot. So that means pushing one of the two superbly talented openers, either. Rizwan or Barbarazam down, allowing Harris to take control of that power play or try to capitalize on it. That won't happen in that semi-final, but I think they've certainly got to bat better. I think New Zealand, um, they have a functionality about them, a structure about them, role clarity about them, and they'll be confident coming in to that clash. So. I don't know how to call it, Murgas, but I'm really looking forward to Pakistan's renewed vigor against a New Zealand team who will be really confident in that semi-final. It's going to be a good one. Mendir against England? Adelaide. Um, I, I still think India will, will feel the need to get Rohit. They would have liked to get either Pant or Dinesh Kartik and Hardik Pandya in the runs. Their bowling group will do the job, but that one... I believe will come down to the batting unit, how England stack up with the bat or how India stack up with the bat, because I think the two groups will bowl well, but how their batters withstand that new ball spell. Um, India have already played at Adelaide as well. Um, so I, I think we've got two semifinals that I don't know how to call them. Honestly, I. I <laughs> All teams have weaknesses and strengths, and I don't see a clear favourite. The magnificent Ian Bishop is part of the ICC's T20 World Cup commentary team. Download the app and never miss a ball. Pakistan have the talent to win the tournament, but their inconsistent performances have led to people doubting if they could do it. We caught up exclusively with Shan Massoud prior to the T20 Men's World Cup, and he says he always remembered where he was when Pakistan won the tournament in 2009. I was uh, in England 
uh, I was in Stamford in boarding school and uh, yeah, the, that was the moment where because I had players like Ahmed Shahzad, Amir, uh, Shahzeb Hassan who had played under 19 cricket with, um, that sort of gave me inspiration that yes, my under 19 teammates have made it big. Um, that's something I aspire to do as well and, and about 13 years later I find myself playing a World Cup. What's your favourite shot and why? I'll, I'll say the pull shot because initially I struggled a lot in it in international cricket um, and then it took me about three years when we went to South Africa to really sort of nail it down and, and play it well and when I when I played it in South Africa I had the confidence to, to play that shot elsewhere in the world. I think it's a it's a shot that's difficult to play um, especially against the quickest bowlers in the world and it's something you need so yeah that's my favourite shot. Favourite hobby outside cricket? A lot of things but Probably watching sports, uh, basketball, NFL, football. Um, I'm I'm a sports nut. I like watching sports documentaries, everything related to sports. So yeah, you'll find me doing that. Is there any recent one that you've seen? The Arsenal one was very nice, um, and then we joked with because Mickey's an Arsenal fan. I was in Derby while I was watching that, so his his name Arthur and Arteta. Um, you saw Mickey doing some of the things that. That I saw the documentary after I had seen Mickey in the dressing room. So when I saw the documentary, I was like, Mickey's surely copying somebody and it was Arteta. So that was pretty <laughs> nice to see. <laughs> That's all for now. Remember to follow the ICC Review on Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. And find me on Twitter. I'm at Murgers B. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs>